Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, we have what I'm calling Steve's Nostalgia episode. Uh, and we'll get into what that means really in detail because I'm going to go uh, deep uh, and, and back uh, to, with several bands that, uh, you know, are, are nostalgic for me. Uh, you know, and so, and there's stories attached to each of these bands that, that I'm going to process through as part of this pod and, uh, and we're going to get to interact with uh, in a sense. So, um, so really looking forward to kind of what this one becomes because I don't have it fully fleshed out and planned out. I have, you know, kind of the, the form set, but, um, but we're, I'm going to see where it goes in terms of, you know, my inner dialogue, uh, in terms of the three bands that we're going to visit today. And that is Everclear, Smash Mouth, and Motion City Soundtrack. Uh, so we'll get to that in a, a little bit. I have a, um, you know, I have a rare calm weekend ahead right now where, uh, I don't have any kids here, uh, and... Uh, it's a it's a Friday and I don't have kids and that's very untypical. So I'm just going to chill and uh, and you know have a couple of drinks, eat some garbage food, uh, and, which I try and get away with on days that I don't have kids and feed you know feed us better when I do have them. I try I try to do that. Uh, and then the kids are gone on a, a weekend trip with the, their aunt and grandma in Santa Cruz at the boardwalk. So. Uh, they're probably on rides right now, having the time of their life, and uh, I'll get an update on that later, I'm sure. But um, I, uh, I have that today and tomorrow. Also, nothing huge planned other than digging up the uh, dead grass in my backyard. I'm determined to get to the get it all done tomorrow and finish dug up, which is a lot ahead of my projected schedule, what I thought it would take to to do. But I'm persistent, so. That's my, my main goal for tomorrow, among uh, other household chores and things that I need to do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's pretty fun. Um, we have some fun shows coming up as well, which I'll tell you about at the end of the program. But for right now, let's, let's get into it a bit, okay? Um, I had a chance to talk to Art Alexicus from Smash Mouth. And not from Smash Mouth, from Everclear. I'm mixing up the nostalgia here. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Art and uh, and this one was uh, pretty exciting for me because uh, I've never gotten a chance to interview Art over the years, and I've tried for this interview a couple of times. So I'm glad it came together. I knew it would be short. I knew it was going to be between 15 and 20 minutes long uh, because he had other obligations. But uh, I was excited to get the time that I I could get with him, so, which is why this is being expanded into other bands as well. That just really fits the the vibe that I want to uh, send out in this in this episode. So let's talk about Everclear first, right? Um, Everclear. When I was younger uh, and in high school, and we'll say a year or so beyond high school, we'll call it a year for for all intents and purposes. You know, even leading up to high school, when I was a kid, I had no real friends to give me help me form mu my musical taste so my musical taste was questionable at points uh and uh you know and i had to kind of form it myself uh and um i had a you know friend group in high school that was let's just say not the coolest bunch so you know i i knew i liked going to concerts though i knew that was fun and uh and i liked what was on the radio um you know, namely pop music and uh, pop rock, and um, nothing too poppy too much. You know, a little bit on the pop rock, we'll say, right? Um, and 
uh, and so that includes bands like that that are on the program today. Everclear was one of those that I that I was into, and I remember listening to their album. I mean, I had I had CDs, right? These I had a CD case like with all my CDs in it, alphabetized. I had Everclear uh, songs from an American movie, Volume One, Learning How to Smile. That was one that I went to. Uh, a lot. And so in preparation for this interview, while I was actually on a road trip uh, to, to uh, go see the second band, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, they, I, I put this album on and I listened to it in its entirety and went back to my youth because I haven't pulled this album out in a long time. But it, uh, I mean, from the first song, uh, which is the intro to Here We Go Again, um, AM Radio, I got goosebumps listening to AM radio. And it's so amazing how you can go back 20 plus years in your life and pull out a song that you haven't heard in a long time. Maybe it's, you know, come across at some point and you've been like, oh yeah, that's that song that I used to listen to a lot. But you can pull out this song and sing it word for word uh, along, with, uh, along with the track because of how well you knew it from the radio, from listening, from playing it on your, uh, you know, in your CDs, uh, that sort of thing. AM radio was one of those for me and Everclear as a, as a band was, you know, a, a band I really liked. I got a chance to, and I'll talk about this with Art um, in the interview in a, in a bit, but I got a chance to see them in 2000 and 2001. Uh, both shows were at the Warfield in San Francisco. One with Fastball that uh, that they're touring with right now as a part of their 30th anniversary tour. So uh, so they toured with and played shows with Fastball in the past. And um, and Nelly Furtado opened that uh, that one of them as well. I remember. So that was that was pretty interesting. I mean, I remember seeing Nelly Furtado and I was like front of the crowd, right? And Nelly Furtado was hot. She was beautiful. I got lost in those eyes uh, of hers and. Her, her songs were, were solid also. She was a great performer. Um, and, uh, and I never got to meet her or interview her either. Uh, so uh, put that on the list to uh, get into to interview Nelly Furtado. But, uh, but that, I think that was a radio station show also that they did. But both, at both shows, uh, Art pulled me on stage. He, like, he did this thing where he took one song and he pulled a bunch of people from the crowd, probably like 20 or 30 people who even, you know, crowd got, the stage got pretty filled and brought him up on stage and let him rock out to a song. Um, I remember one of the years it was Father of Mine. I don't remember the other song. It might've been Santa Monica uh, that, uh, that he did. And, uh, and I got a bunch of guitar picks from, uh, from that show, like five or six guitar of Everclear guitar picks, which I still haven't shared with Art in the interview. So I don't want to spoil the whole interview, but I want to talk about this band in terms of a place in my life. Uh, and this was obviously 2000. I graduated high school in 2001. So both of these years were like junior and senior year of high school when I was starting to go to concerts. My mom didn't want me going to concerts in the city. She didn't like it at all. She protested it to a degree and tried to shut down me being who I've become. And this is my thing, right? You know, it's been my thing ever since. So this, this whole program is a rebellion against my mom, I'm sure. We can go into it in therapy pretty deep. But, uh, but some of those shows really gave my, me my appreciation for music. It was, there's nothing cooler than, you know, than being on stage at the Warfield in front of 2,500 people jumping up and down and having a great time. Uh, and, 
uh, and getting to walk through the backstage area to get back to the crowd and everything. And uh, I mean, that was, that was cool. Right. And that was what I wanted to do. Not the music part, never, that never clicked, right. Never making music or, or singing or anything like that. Anytime I tried to sing, it's bad. Uh, but, uh, but those shows were pivotal point in my youth and my growth into the music that I liked. I've talked before on this program about how my buddy Joe helped develop you know, a lot of uh, my taste in music uh, and help me appreciate music to a level that, um, you know, is more in line with maybe what I uh, should be listening to and uh, for, for my age and, uh, and that sort of thing, right? So I can actually understand and appreciate music and respect music as, as well. But Everclear has uh, had a point in my life. Uh, and, and I haven't seen them. I don't think I've seen them live since 2001. So it's been a long time since I've seen Everclear live, but um, getting to spend a little bit of time with art was awesome. So I think we should hop into that interview uh, and uh, uh, and get the conversation going um, with uh, for my interview with Art, where he was on his tour bus um, in the uh, Midwest. Here's my interview with Art. Um, Art, first I want to thank you for for taking the time. I know you're you're super busy and uh, and you're on the East Coast right now in the middle of your 30th anniversary tour, right? We're in the Midwest. We're in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. pretty close. Yeah, and how have the shows been going so far? They've been going great. It's better than last year. We toured in 2021. Um, in hindsight, I think it was a little early, but I think a lot of people really needed that. But um, we've had way better attendance, way better sales, every, and just better crowds, people less um, nervous about COVID, which is surprising to me because there's a full-on, um, you know, um, surge going on right now but um apparently not in the midwest and the south yeah apparently not no they're they're clear uh i, I got it a couple of weeks ago you know finally after two and a half years and uh uh and you know it it, it it lowered my battery levels a little bit but you know didn't slow me down too much it was okay a couple of days and i was passed but i know you you had it like last year right and i'm sure i think it hit you pretty hard right I had I had alpha and I was unvaxxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. Rough. yeah. Um. So so tell me about touring on? with tell me about touring with fastball because so I saw you twenty one years ago with fastball uh, and so tell me about the dynamic of playing with them again. Well, you know it's really interesting. So we toured with them like you're talking about in nineteen ninety eight, and. Uh, that was great. At that time, they had a hit the way we had Father of Mine and Marcy Playground was also on the tour at Sex and Candy. And the songs every week would go back and forth between one, two, and three for the whole tour. It was really, it was cool. You know, it, it was really cool. But um, this, you know, this is a different tour. And we toured with them twice in, in the interim. Um, it's back. They had for a while there in the last five, six years, they had a hired young bass player. He's a cool guy, but there was something about the band that didn't have that feel that they had back in 98 when they were three piece. And they got it back. They're a band again, man. They are so much fun. They are killing crowds. 
they're getting everybody stoked for our show and they're setting the bar high for us, which is really cool. Yeah. That's great. Uh, uh, so I want to tell you, I mean, you're, you and your music were such a part of my youth, you know, and your concerts were, I mean, so much fun. I mean, uh, two times you played the Warfield in San Francisco uh, in 2000 and 2001. Uh, and, uh, and you pulled me up on stage both times because you did that awesome thing where you oh, really? pull, pull, fan, pull fans on stage. Yeah, I mean, my, my best friend at the time had made me a guitar pick book and I'll, I'll just nerd out and share with you, you know, that I got a, <laughs> you know, a, a bunch of your, uh, your guitar picks from back then, so. Uh, and still have the ticket stubs from those shows. So. You need to, you need to update that, man. Uh, we haven't had the yellow ones for a while. We got <laughs> so you guys send me a couple of new guitar picks, then, right? So, <laughs> got to see. Wait, where do you where do you live? Uh, I'm in Vacaville, California, so just outside yeah. of Sacramento. So yeah, you're you're hitting LA, yeah, on uh, on this tour, but um, but not the Bay Area, I think. So hopefully, we're not really hitting LA. We're uh, on the tour, no. We're, we're doing a one-off festival called Flannel Nation, and we're doing that on August 13th. That's not part of this tour. This tour is over this uh, Saturday's last of this tour of, of oh, okay. the 30th anniversary. And then we're doing a few shows. Actually, we're playing a place called Corning, California. Isn't that close to you? Corning, C-O-R-N-I-N-G? Yeah. I got I to look it up. Uh, let me see. Uh, that's... That's, that's not too far. Like, it's an, yeah, yeah, that's not too. doable. Yeah, about an hour and a half. That's that's doable. So that's uh, that's the next couple months. I didn't see that date. So has that not been released yet? Yeah, no, it's a confirmed confirm date, and it's gonna it's gonna be just us and fastball. It's not gonna be the next one on that. Okay, but, I got um, it. Yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. Okay, I've got to check out that show and then get some guitar picks for me. So <laughs> some there of the good ones. Um, tell me about uh, the 30 year uh, album, you know, kind of going back to World of Noise, like you, you discovered those tapes. What was that like for you to go back and listen to that and dig back into that music, remaster those songs? It was cool. I mean, you know, I, I deal with a lot of a, a lot of my music. I don't I don't really dwell on listening to my, my older stuff. But I had always been a little frustrated with the way the mastering sounded, uh, the EQ sounded on uh, World of Noise that came out. It was put out by Capital in 94, which is the prevalent copy that's out there. And I just, um, you know, when I found those tapes, I felt good because I had wanted to put it on social platforms, you know, dig uh, uh, digital platforms, but I, I was reluctant to put out that version. So when those came up and I listened to them and they said, and a beat them, they sounded so much better. So I was really pleased to be able to put that up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure as you were digging around, you came across a bunch of other stuff that you're like, it's like a nostalgia fest for you in a sense, right? Of just like taking you back to that, that period of time. Yeah, I'm not really nostalgic about that. No, but yeah, it's, it, 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 I did find the original color finger tapes, and I'm going to put out remastered, maybe even remixed color finger. I'm not sure yet. I might try to remix a couple of songs and see what that sounds like and put a put a, uh, a version out where that it has both. You know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. That's either next year or the year after. I've got a lot going on. But um, 
that that will definitely come out because fans are buying that album for like 300 bucks on CD and that's just ridiculous. You know, you're like, I, I, can, I can make this easier for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what can you what can you tell me about Shaken Brave as we're talking about the old, old times? I mean, like, tell me about that. I, I found the original mixtapes for Shaken Brave as well. And you did. There's nothing but really crappy third generation on YouTube cassette mixes that are that sound like they were recorded in a different house or something. So these sound great. They're uh, they're they're ready to go. I'll probably put that as I don't know if I'll put that as part of Color Finger or I don't know what I'll do. But I want to get that out there for people. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, so and I, I want, Shaking Brave was my Shaking Brave. You wanted me to talk about Shaking Brave. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, go for it. Shaking Brave was my first real band that was my band. I had had a couple before it, but not with my original songs. This was my first real band. With, I was a singer-songwriter. It was a three-piece. Um, we recorded the uh, first time I'd ever been in a studio. I recorded a demo. And uh, yeah, so it was a big deal for me at the time. Yeah. Well, what, so what did you take from Shake and Brave that you were able to take into Colorfinger and, uh, and Everclear ultimately? Like what were some of the big things that you, you learned from that period of your life? I just learned how to record. I learned how to, you know, I learned, I, I got more comfortable on stage because we played probably Shake and Brave probably played in the whole career of the band, maybe 20, 30 shows. Not that many. No. Yeah. Colorfinger probably did a hundred. Shows, you know, in the period of three or four years, Easy O is probably about 30. Um, just more comfortable on stage, more comfortable with uh, being able to emote, being able to play. And just, I always had the attitude and the swagger, but you know, it just became better crafted as time went on. You know? Yeah. But uh, it was, it, I don't know if I took anything from it. I'm sure I did. Just, you know, each new project, I got better at what I was doing. And the bands got bigger followings as I got better. And the bands around me got better and um, playing with better musicians. And, you know, just building up to the point where Everclear was at the right place at the right time. And when I say at the right time, right time for us, we were, we were firing on all cylinders. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about going back to uh, Return to Santa Monica? Uh, that album, uh, I mean, you, 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 know, you put a lot of the hits on that album, but you also did some really awesome covers uh, on, on that. How did that come together and, uh, and how did you select what songs you wanted to cover? A lot of bands will do re-records so that they own the masters, right? I mean, they don't, you know, because... Uh, Bands that are on major labels, back when they were doing deals in the 90s, they were signing deals for perpetuity. So they own those original masters. So a lot of bands try to recreate those versions. And I never really wanted to do it, but to be honest with you, the guys came at me with enough money to do that, that I could record two albums at the same time. And I did. I recorded uh, Invisible Stars. Nice. So that's why I did. That's why I did. Return to Santa Monica. 
and they asked for some covers and I just I did some covers of their life. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, Tom Petty was great. I mean, it won't back down. Uh, I mean, the, the most unexpected one I'd say was I, I will follow you into the dark, like just hearing a, an Everclear cover of that song, it, you wouldn't expect it, but it's, uh, but you brought your own flavor to it. And, uh, and it was uh, um, an, an awesome addition to that album. Thanks, man. It's a great, that's a great song. Ben just killed them on that song. It's a great song. Oh yeah, I've seen them perform it live and it's just, it's incredible, you know? Uh, it, it's a really powerful song for sure. Um, um, so you you put out um, uh, Sun Songs, which is a, a solo album, and it you know it does have a different feel than uh, than Everclear songs. But did you consider that as an Everclear album? Like what what differentiated that for you? Well, I played all the instruments. Yeah, that made it easy. So it's just a jet you art all the way. It's not an instrument. It's not even remotely an Everclear album. I, I I think the argument could be that the other albums are my albums. You know, because I recorded them and I produced everything, but I use other musicians. Unless it was just me. Yeah. Mostly acoustic guitar, as you as you can tell. So, yeah. Yeah, but so beyond there was only two people in the studio, me and my friend Stuart, who engineered it and co-produced it. Yeah. So it was it really was bare bones, uh, simple. Like uh, did you as you were writing it, did you were you in kind of a different headspace where you're like, this is this is going to be completely separate. This is just me, you know. Uh, and yeah, I, I knew going into it when I started writing songs, um, feeling like I wanted to make a record. I didn't want to make an Everclear record. I didn't want to go in and make this huge thing. I wanted to do something. I did it at my studio, which is about a mile away from my house. We only worked two days a week. Um, you know. You're Whatever you need, though. Does does Derek have his? Does Derek have his radio? All right, you're good. The crew's loading in, and I'm in the back with the the bus. There we go. I'm sorry, what was your question again, Stephen? You're, you're good. We're about sun songs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're kind of, your space in terms of writing it and, how, and, and headspace really mostly. I wanted to write a song about where I was now, a more mature record, you know, that uh, had, uh, you know, I moved back to California and I just wanted to do an album I, one of my favorite albums of all time is Nebraska by, by Bruce Springsteen. And it really had that gritty feel to it. And I didn't want to just do that and just copy him. But I wanted to do it my own way where, you know, I try to write, write songs that are acoustic and I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan of, and, and fan of uh, Neil Young and all that stuff. So that those are, have always been big influences to me but when it comes down to it man i'm a rocker i'm a rock and roller and it's yeah. just i'm not a folky guy you know i try to write folk songs it doesn't really work um and uh but there's a couple songs on that record sun songs that i'd like to re-record with everclare like uh in a more punk way like a, a song called uh Lion in the sand I think that'd make a really great punk song. 
So yeah, I, I've been thinking about that. I'll see. Yeah, for sure. And you did a you did a solo tour. I think it was a solo acoustic, and you did storytelling, right? Uh, along with that, how was that? How was that tour for you? That was fun. You're talking about the songs of story tour. Yeah. Yeah, I did that with um, some friends of mine from other bands and promoters just didn't know what to do with it. Once they saw it, they were like, this is great. But it didn't sell very well because people didn't talk about it. And press didn't write about it. It just didn't sell very well. So going back and doing that again with promoters, I don't think it's a viable option because it didn't do very well. Unfortunately, because it was really fun and it was good. Everyone who saw it loved it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing. It's like you have you have this thing where you know you have a band that's in this kind of genre and you expect something of them, and then they kind of depart from that a, a little bit and strip it down and kind of and the storytelling. I mean, it's like MTV storytellers or whatever whatever that was back in the day, right? I mean, there's something so unique to that and. I don't know, as a, as a music fan, I would appreciate something like that. I wish I'd gotten to see well, that tour. It was really cool. But we told, dude, we told them exactly what it was. <laughs> we told them exactly. Yeah. I mean, written out exactly what it was. And they're like, oh, I didn't know it was acoustic. I go, look at the one sheet we sent you. Oh, I didn't read that. There you go. They just saw Art Alexakis and oh, Art Alexakis from Everclear, you know? It's, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why, I don't know how people's thought processes go, uh, but uh, whatever. You I deal with that all the time though. Yeah. You'd love to do it again? It, yeah. Yeah. You got about five more minutes. I got another call coming in, man. All right, sounds so. good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, um, yeah, I'll ask you one or two more and, uh, and we can wrap, okay. but I want to, I want to know. So uh, I saw a picture of you yeah, on your socials. I think from last year of you playing Bottom of the Hill in '95. Uh, I want to know kind of what what fun memories do you have from the Bay Area shows in the Bay Area that you uh, that you did? Obviously, I talked. I, I saw a couple of them uh, myself, but that was a, that was later than '95. Everclear in '95 at the Bottom of the Hill. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I remember that. That was. I think we did two shows in in, uh, in one night. Yeah. Whoa. Um, yeah, it was pretty packed. Um, and, you know, I used to live down the street from, from uh, you know, I used to live over um, in Portola Hill. Portola, yeah. Yeah, yeah over, over in the flats there, in the lofts, you know, they got those lofts over there. I lived over near there, right as they were starting, like right before I moved, um, about eight months before I moved out of San Francisco. In 91, they opened Bottom of the Hill. So Colored Finger played there like two or three times. Um, but, uh, and Everclear's played there probably three, four or five times. And I played their solo as well. Um, it's great, it's a great gig. I love playing the Bay Area. We used to play and talk about those Warfield shows. Those shows were great. The Fillmore yeah. shows back in the day were great. It's fun. The Fillmore is amazing. I love it. There's so much energy there. It's incredible, right? Um, yeah. So, what uh, what do we have going forward? Obviously, you you talked about you you have a book you're writing, right? And I know you're finishing up a degree you're doing. Like, you don't slow down. Like, tell me what is what is the next couple uh, year or so uh, look for you? I finished getting my uh, degree in, in life coaching. I got that and accredited in three different um, 
degrees. And then I got, um, I've got about another year to get my alcohol drug certification so I can work with people in recovery. And once I got that done, I got five more. So I get about a year and a half to get my psychology degree. And then I'll be done with that. I'll start getting clients probably coaching and counseling later, later um, this year or early next year. Um, and just work with people who are like already working in the industry. You know, I just want to work with creatives because I understand that. But other than that, I'm, I found a guy I want to work on my book with um, as, a, as an editor, not as a ghostwriter. I want to write it myself. But uh, yeah. we're, uh, I'm already writing down notes and stuff and just working on my sober program and working, spending a lot of time with family and just uh, gotten to a place, you know, I turned 60 in April and I'm just in a place where I just don't want to do anything unless it's fun, unless it gives me joy. And yeah. I've turned down shows with, for money, which I can't really afford to do, but it makes me happier in the long run. So it's, it's like stepping over pennies to pick up dollars. Yeah, you got to do what makes you happy, man. And uh, and I look Absolutely. I look forward to that book coming out. Uh, I mean, I you know we got a limited time, but I hopefully we'll be able to see you at the live show and get to you know shake your hand and thank you for all, you know the, all the years of music and everything because you've thank you thank you Stephen and get some know. more picks. Don't forget that. Yeah, we got to get the picks. Got to get the picks. It's guaranteed. So <laughs> right. thank 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 you. Our have good luck on the tour. We'll chat soon. Okay. Bye bye. That was my interview with Art from uh, Everclear here on Concert Pipeline. Uh, like I said, some pivotal moments from those uh, Everclear shows back in the day. Uh, they were memorable and enjoyable. And I used to, and still do, like get to right at the front of the crowd. For him to pull me up on stage, I had to be right there, right? And I had to make it known that, hey, look, you, you got to pull me up, dude. I am going crazy. I am excited to be here. I am bringing the energy. And... Uh, and I did. I, I, I had fun. I got to, you know, I'd jump up and around uh, on stage and it was cool to go to those shows with friends and uh, and get to kind of scratch that itch of the live music uh, and getting to hear bands that we heard on the radio live in concert uh, in a relatively small venue. Uh, I think this, the medium and small venues have always been my my favorite to see shows. I mean, big shows are, are cool. There, I've had some memorable big venue shows that i've gone to but a lot of times it's just too much it's just too much i like the intimate feel of the smaller venues uh and uh and even theaters like the warfield getting to be on the floor and up close in this big beautiful venue is uh, is amazing so that's that's ever clear from my experience so that's going to take us to our second show and kind of uh dovetail in really cleanly uh to smash mouth uh like i said i was listening to uh their Everclear's album on my on the way to Smash Mouth's show in Turlock um, a couple weeks back. They were uh, they were doing a show. It, it was another one of those. Hmm. I don't have kids today. What should I do? Uh, and uh, and so I reached out. I emailed uh, Zach Goody, the new lead singer of Smash Mouth, uh, just really on a whim in the morning. And I was like, should, should I go to this? Should I go to this, or should I get things done around the house? And uh, and I decided to. You know what? Uh, I'll shoot out the, an email to Zach. If he replies, great. That'll be the decision. If he doesn't, then 
then that'll be that'll you know firm up that decision on on that front, right? So I'll just uh, uh, let the let the cards land where they did with an email to Zach, who I'd interviewed and has been was on the the program. Um, probably a month and a half ago or so, um, maybe two months, uh, you can go back to that episode um, of Concert Pipeline to watch or, or listen to it, uh, where we interviewed uh, Zach Eddie about his new gig with, with Smash Mouth. And, uh, and so shot him an email, said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about going to the show, don't have any kids, um, you know, uh, you, you want to hang at the show? <laughs> Literally, it was like that. And I was like, why not, right? Uh, he got right back to me and said, hey, you know, not sure what the schedule is like, but can totally get you on the list. Uh, and and he did, and um, and he was uh, able to set that up for me. So uh, with a, a backstage pass and everything, and so I was like, okay, going a hundred miles away to Turlock. That's what we're doing today. So uh, I traveled out to Turlock. Uh, it was a pretty great drive, uh, and uh, and I went and saw Smash Mouth. And it, I was on the list. I got a pass to the the, the Stanislaus County Fair. And, uh, and a backstage pass for the band, which, you know, I decided to go back after I went around the fair a bit, watched the great duck races, great American duck races, and, uh, and then went to check out Smash Mouth. So be before we get into any of the performance, we're gonna play a couple of songs from Smash Mouth's set. Um, before we get into that, I wanna kind of go back on Smash Mouth a little bit because Smash Mouth's one of those bands that, you know, uh, my friends bust my balls about in terms of, uh, music I liked when I was younger, and uh, and that Smash Mouth was really uh, like my face, first real favorite band as a kid. I mean, I was like 12, 13, 14 even, and uh, and I have some memories of Smash Mouth that play a, a big part in my life. And I told Zachary about this, you know, to, to a very small degree. Uh, I told him that they were my first favorite band when when I interviewed them, and uh, and at the show, uh, you know that this is nostalgia for me uh, a bit, right? Um, and so going back, like their first, uh, Smash Mouth's uh, first album, really, like it was, it was one of those albums that I listened to a lot. Uh, and, uh, and the album, the first album was, I don't even remember the name of it, to be honest, I have to, I have to go back. Okay, uh, Fushu Meng, that's it. I always forget it. It's a little confusing. Fushu Meng, but that's the that's a song with uh, "Walking on the Sun," uh, the Fonz. Uh, let's see, uh, "Beer Goggles," let's rock. You know that sort of thing. Um, it had a, a lot of great songs on it, and so uh, I mean that was a piece of my youth, as well as their second album, Astro Lounge, which is more commercially uh, famous. But Smash Mouth was like my first concert. Also, when I was 14, uh, I went with my mom and sister to Alice is Now in Zenfest in San Francisco in Golden Gate Park. And I went to that concert, uh, uh, Alice is Now in Zenfest, every year for 10 years. Uh, I didn't miss one of them over the course of a 10-year period of my life. So there's a, about a quarter of my life that I spent making sure I went to that concert. Uh, and, and a lot of times I was part of the environment at that uh, concert as well like I knew the DJs uh, and uh, and I knew the promoter for the the festival who got me in and got me backstage sometimes so I could meet some uh, some of the bands and uh, and I got video passes and record you know recorded some video of like Maroon 5 and other in Duran Duran and other bands playing you know one year uh, you know so I got to cover that concert as well as go to it but as the first year it was just as a as a fan uh, and 
uh, and I got to see Smash Mouth and some other bands. I think Travis might have played, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the Wallflowers played. Never really got into them. Never liked them much. But they uh, they played too. Uh, and so it was cool to get to see Smash Mouth live. And and that was a piece of like this is you know this concert. I love concerts. You know, so shows after that I would you know itch to go to and get to see bands that I like live. Uh, and. And I remember one time I went to a radio station show in San Jose. Uh, I had a VIP pass of some sort, I think, uh, because of the TV program. And I was young. I was like, let's, let's even say I was 18 then, maybe. Uh, oh, God, 17, 18? Uh, but, and Smash Mouth was playing this radio station concert. And, you know, and I, I talked to the promoter at the radio station or something and, uh, and she, who had set up the pass. And she was like, hey, everything cool, you know, everything good. And I was like, yeah, oh, man, I was really hoping to get, you know, backstage, though, you know. I had balls. I had balls then, like, to be able to just ask for a backstage pass. And she was like, oh, go over to the, the booth and tell them that I said you could have, you know, uh, a backstage pass. And I talked my way into a backstage pass at that show. And I remember, you know, getting to uh, go backstage and seeing Steve Harwell and being, you know, obviously a fan, you know, I'm sure you saw it on my face or something. I was excited uh, to, to just be in his, you know, his presence and be, be there. And, uh, and he's like, hey, you want a picture? I think I got two pictures, you know, a picture with him at two different occasions at that, uh, at that show. And that was so cool to me. It was just cool to be there and be a part of it and, and then get to see them play live also. So I've seen them a handful of times. They, I saw them at the California Music Awards, the Bammies, back in the day when we when we had those, and I knew the promoter for that event, and uh, and they were playing. Uh, the, you know, I was backstage, so I didn't get to see a lot of the performances uh, because we were interviewing bands. We interviewed like Joe Satriani, and we met uh, Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach, and uh, and you know some others backstage that we ran into, uh, and uh, and we interviewed Greg Camp. The guitarist of Smash Mouth, and uh, and it's funny. Like the, the promoter asked me, "Any bands you want to interview? Anyone in particular?" And I said, "You know, Smash Mouth is one of the ones that I said." And Joe Satriani was cool too because he's an amazing guitarist. Uh, and uh, and so we interviewed Greg Camp, my old uh, but, uh, best friend Stephanie, and I. Uh, she interviewed him, and uh, and was like flirting with him and everything along those lines. Greg Camp was one of the songwriters you know the main songwriter for smash mouth for many many years and uh and so that was pretty cool i mean i have memories of this band that go back and and all the way up to when they played at bottle rock in napa uh and uh and i got to interview smash mouth the current iteration at that time uh for um for the first time i never got to interview them or anything really i've you know seen them uh, backstage and we interviewed Greg Camp that one time but I didn't interview him and and so I interviewed Steve Harwell and his crew whoever else was in the band at that time uh, the whole band is there back uh, at uh, at Bottle Rock in the interview and I think it was my birthday also uh, that I was interviewing him on and uh, and my daughter I think had given me this card that had Smash Mouth song in it and I took that to the interview and I, I was such a nerd it was nerd it was nerding out a little bit right talk about nostalgia and so i i remember in that interview with steve harwell i told him that uh smash mouth was like my favorite first band and he his reply was i'm sorry and that just cracked me the fuck up like that he could even find the humor in 
uh, in their band and uh, and how much they sold out and being someone's first favorite concert, uh, yeah, all of that, right? Um, like he he just he could find humor and joke about you know his place in in the world in that band, right? So it's it's a nostalgic experience and going down uh, to uh, Turlock and a hundred miles away in the middle of nowhere to on this in the spur of the moment solo by myself to see this show was kind of just going back down that is scratching that itch and i'm you know i'm glad my buddy joe didn't bust my balls too much about uh, about going the nostalgia piece but i'm like look i live my life living it up uh, making memories and i'm like why not if i have time let's do it that's my that's my motto and how i try and live my life and so uh so i went out and did it and I was backstage at Smash Mouth and, you know, just sitting backstage for a while, hanging and, you know, I got a couple of free drinks, not, not any alcoholic drinks, but uh, non-alcoholic drinks, soda and a water or whatever. Uh, and then uh, Zach came out of the tour bus and um, went up and I went up and said, hey, and he's like, hey, Steve, you know, how's it going? Uh, we chatted for a few minutes. He had other things to do also. We chatted off and on throughout the night for, for a couple minutes here and there. Uh, and this was his sixth uh performance with smash mouth six live performance so he's still really fresh with the band and they're still getting their uh, their groove and their dynamic and kind of feeling things out a bit but uh but getting to see him live he uh he really uh he made the performance his own while paying respect to the uh the band and the songs and you know and he didn't grow up on smash mouth either he you know so he had to learn a lot of the songs for, from scratch as he was kind of taking over this role. That was one of the things he told me in the interview. Um, I did with him a while back, and uh, and so so it was a lot of fun. And you know, and I had with his backstage pass. You know, I was like, you know, the, uh, I was hanging backstage as they were about to go up, and he's like, hey, why don't you go watch from the crowd so you can see see and hear uh, hear it well? And I was like. Uh, you know, I kind of want to watch from the side of the stage if that's okay for a, a little bit. But I did both. Uh, I watched a couple songs from the side of the stage, uh, standing right on the side of the stage, and then went out to the crowd and uh, and you know enjoyed the show with the crowd for uh, for most of the the set, and then went back stage again for the last song or two. Um, and that because uh, I had seen the set list, so I knew kind of what was what was coming up, uh, and. Um, and went back and watched the end of the show from the, the side of the stage. Um, one other, you know what, let's play a song and then I'll, I'll share one other, uh, one other memory here. So I want to share uh, this song. Um, the first of the songs that we're going to play is um, Why Can't We Be Friends? Uh, this is another one that kind of goes back for me. And I just remember loving this song, listening to it on the, on the album over and over and rocking out to it. And so the fact that they still have it in their set and it's the one that's a kind of a fan favorite is awesome. So let's, let's play that. I'll buy you a corn dog.
that was Why Can't We Be Friends by Smash Mouth at uh, the Stanislaus County Fair uh, here on Concert Pipeline. Uh, and we're going to play another song. Um, and this is a song that, you know, uh, I, I, I talked a little bit before about having balls, but I didn't have balls in this instance right here because there's a piece of me that was, you know, thinking about, you know, should I ask Zach to come out, uh, for me to come out on stage and sing this next song um, at the end of the set? uh with, with him should i should i go there or is that just dumb I, i'm like I, I didn't work myself up to asking that I, if i had asked him i you know he might have even said yes uh he might have been cool with it it's a song i know all the lyrics to uh and a song that i sang at the napa town and country fair when i was probably 14 uh on stage in the karaoke contest uh and again i am not a good singer but I'm about getting out and doing it and, you know, not having any regrets and, you know, and trying not to be too nervous about stuff like that, just getting out and having fun. So I learned the song ahead of time, uh, worked for, you know, I played it over and over. I got the karaoke CD. I, I, I learned this song, right. And I, uh, I, I went to the California town and country, whatever, Napa town and country fair, uh, as a kid and did this song karaoke. And I think I got to the next second round, uh, probably because of my stage presence or something and not because of my singing abilities and uh and then I didn't make it past that so that was that was done but this next song again is one of Smash Mouth's famous or possibly their most famous uh song that they have so they close the show out with it uh and uh and it would have been funny to just be out on stage and playing that song in Smash Mouth and just to have video of that or something would be mind-boggling i don't know it, it's again this is nostalgia for for me too so it would be really really cool to to have uh had that moment i guess uh but i didn't talk myself up to asking to to do that and, and it wasn't offered uh so uh so we'll just leave it at that and move on from there so this is smash mouse all-star here on concert pipeline
was All Star by Smash Mouth, one of my old favorites here at Concert Pipeline, because uh, she, you know, had the shape of an L on her forehead, right? Uh, well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Head to the rules and they hit the ground running. It makes sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You never know if you don't go. You never shine if you don't glow. All right. Uh, hey, now you're an all-star. There, that's all I'm getting given. That's doing it. I did it. I, I didn't didn't go full all in, but I did it. So we're gonna we're gonna move forward from there. Thank you to Zygrady for being freaking awesome. Uh, taking the time for an, uh, a long in-depth interview, uh, hanging backstage at the show in Turlock, and uh, for picking up the torch and running with it and keeping um, my childhood, you know, favorite band alive. Thanks, Zach. Um, it's going to take us on to the next and last band uh, as part of the Nostalgia Fest, Steve's Nostalgia episode uh, here on uh, Concert Pipeline, and that is Motion City Soundtrack. So I wanted this band to be included uh, in this episode also because it was a very unique, special tour that they were doing. Uh, they uh, for, they had uh, broken up a couple of years back and just like called it, right? And, uh, and moved on. Justin Pierre, the lead singer from Ocean City Soundtrack, had a, a daughter and, you know, is invested more in his family life and, and also his solo music. He put out some solo EPs and, uh, and and music and and it was doing other some other stuff and he's like eh, I think we're good on Motion City soundtrack at this point but they did a couple one-off shows here and there and uh, you know probably need to pay the bills to be honest and uh, and brought a tour around uh, to a 17th anniversary tour actually for their album Commit This to Memory which is their second album um, and it's one that was pivotal pivotal I just said pivotal twice pivotal in uh in my you know kind of development of music tastes uh and uh and so it was really exciting to get to see them but kind of before we get into the concert let's go back in terms of my nostalgia uh factor with uh motion city soundtrack um i interviewed justin pierre and joshua kane from motion city soundtrack on their tour bus at their show at slims in 2006 I want to say maybe it was even earlier than that 2000 could have been 2000 anywhere it could have been anywhere I don't know 2003 even possibly um and uh and I liked the album at that point I didn't I wasn't in love with it like it wasn't a part of my branding of me growing up or anything along those lines I enjoyed it and uh and I remember in that interview like they teased a video that they were uh, going to be releasing soon for a song that had a uh, a curse word that had that had a lot of curse words in it uh and i couldn't pull what it was and i should have been able to but i didn't at the time uh and so i missed a couple of their references in the interview um the video was for their song let's get fucked up and die and um or as they abbreviated lgfuad uh and uh and so i missed that but i really enjoyed the interview and i became a fan of that band um slightly before but then definitely uh, after that concert that which was which was incredible uh, and i've seen them a handful of times a good number of times after that uh, and interviewed them on uh several occasions i've interviewed justin pierre um i did a best of episode of my old tv show the concert pipeline back in the t uh, concert pipeline tv days again this had to have been 0506 somewhere around there on warp tour i interviewed him 
what was really unique and fun about that interview uh, was he was getting a manicure uh, while he while we were doing the interview. It's like a man, it might have even been a man petty, uh, even he had that scheduled kind of at the same time, and they offered it a warp tour to the bands, I guess. So he went for it and get he was doing that while during the interview, it was great. Uh, and it was, uh, and then, um, I was putting together a best of episode of Concert Pipeline, uh, and uh, and so I used Justin Pierre and I hung out with him a little bit afterwards. I had him do some connecting points with some of my other interviews, uh, talking about the artists and. Uh, and everything. And I remember he connected the Kevin Smith piece uh, where I'd interviewed Kevin Smith uh, and he's a fan of Kevin Smith also. Uh, and so uh, I don't remember exactly what he did for that, but I remember him enjoying uh, doing doing that piece. Um, and, uh, and then I sh uh, had the best of, I put it together. And I remember for that episode, uh, I think it was like 35th episode or something. Um, I had a bunch of friends over to my house in San Francisco. I had gotten a pony keg and food and everything. And we had a showing on a big screen, like a, a projector on a wall of my best of episode of my, my show, which was weird because I'm not the type to usually flaunt my program or stuff or anything. I'll talk about it with friends and yeah, here and there, if they ask questions and stuff. Once in a while I'll be like, oh, I got this cool interview. It's, I'm pretty excited about it, you know? but. Same thing anybody would, but uh, I don't, you know, do a lot of that stuff. So it was kind of weird just with all your friends sitting around watching this thing that you made and put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into, you know, uh, over years, uh, uh, sort of thing. So anyway, Motion City soundtrack, um, lots of good shows that I've seen of them live. They put on a fun, fun show. Justin is funny, also. He's really humorous, and uh, and this album, Commit This to Memory, is special. Um, I got to see them perform it for their 10th anniversary at the Fillmore with my best buddy, Joe. Uh, he went with me to it, even though he's not a Motion City soundtrack fan. Uh, he went and we rocked out and he, he got to see me sing along to every damn song on that album that, that was played. And so this was kind of going back to that and to the, uh, the joy I had of listening to this album hundreds of times um, over the years. Uh, it's one where uh, I could you know sing probably almost every word of the whole album uh and just love it right uh and so we're going to play a couple songs from from their set but i'll only play one from commit this to memory uh and then we'll we'll talk about the rest of the show uh so let's get into the first song from uh, every, uh from oh my gosh motion city soundtrack this is uh probably one of my favorites from the album and it is everything is all right
Motion City Soundtrack here in Concert Pipeline. And uh, we're going to play one more song from their set. Uh, after they played the whole album, they went off stage, had an encore, everyone chanted, chanted, one more song, one more song. And then they came out and Motion City Soundtrack's drummer was like, I hear you saying one more song, but how about we do a, a bunch more? How about 10 more songs? They came out and played another 10, 10 songs in their set. And uh, close out the set with this next song which is uh, another favorite of mine one of my favorites of theirs that, that was not on commit this to memory uh and this is a song called the future freaks me out um, that's it that's all i got this is about the future and also the past
so that's it. That's a nostalgia fest. That's, you know, that's going back in time in, in my catalog, in my brain, and some of the music that I like growing up as a, a young music lover. And, uh, and thanks to all three of those bands for, for being a part of my youth and, uh, and for being so cool over, over the years and for taking the time for the interviews and all of that, right? So much fun stuff. Um, so we're going to close out with some music news. Let's do a couple of stories real quick before we get out of here. what's going on in the music world okay uh so uh, first story is uh, this band there's a band called foxing and um a fan of the band went viral for climbing the ceiling at an ohio show uh and the band compared this moment to a scene in the 2018 horror film hereditary uh so the uh this iconic moment occurred at cleveland's grog shop on monday uh, in the midst of the outfit's North American tour, and uh, there's fan shot footage uh, where it wasn't just the attendees mounting the ceiling that caught people's attention. The Aryan fan proceeded to scuttle along the ceiling gear from the middle of the room to end up hovering over the stage. Uh, I mean, this is pretty interesting stuff. And let me see if I can show the picture here for those watching on YouTube. But yeah, you can see this fan hanging over the stage and the crowd and everything, just dangling, just dangling there. Uh, so uh, it's uh, the band reacted comparing in, I already said that part, okay. So uh, that's, there's not a lot more to that story other than a fan was dangling, but that's where we're starting the music news. Uh, so uh, the next story is about Marcus Mumford of Mumford and Sons, and he announced a 2022 North American tour. Uh, and and uh, see, he's gonna hit the road stateside to support his debut solo album. Um, it's self-titled. Uh, it's duo to arrive on September 16th. The tour is set to kick off in Boulder, Colorado, which is always a unique place to start a tour, but I, I think they might be from Colorado. Um, and it's got a bunch of shows. Uh, it's a pretty extensive tour. Uh, the closest it gets to here is Los Angeles, I believe. There's three LA, uh, there's three Southern California shows um, on the tour, but no no Northern California shows for those in the uh, in the Bay Area and uh, and around. So uh, Danielle Ponder is going to open for Mumford in a bunch of dates with the A supporting some other dates, and you can look those two tour dates up online. But uh, I think Mumford and Sons is on hiatus, so. Uh, that's all there is uh, for, uh, for, for that right now. Okay, Peter Jackson um, of Lord of the Rings fame uh, is going to develop very different Beatles film with Ping Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. Uh, he says it needs technology that doesn't quite exist at the moment. Um, and in an interview with Deadline, uh, he revealed that he's in talks with McCartney and Starr to develop a new film. Jackson's last worked with the pair on the Emmy-nominated documentary series, The Beatles Get Back, which was released in November of last year. It's a very COVID series uh, because uh, most things were shut down at that point, I believe. Uh, so a lot of people could hang at home and watch in eight hours of a series that was released all at once. And it was just a very surreal insight into one of the greatest bands of all time. Uh, 
you know, making an album and their, I believe it was their final album. I, did, I didn't get all the way through the series. I watched like half of it, but um, he said, we're seeing uh, what the possibilities are, but it's another project with them. It's not really a documentary. And that's all I can really say. We are never in a position where we have to do anything, but we've got a few things percolating. And he wasn't able, while he wasn't able to share too many details, he did suggest that his vision for the project will require technology to improve. It's so technically complicated. I'm trying to work how exactly I'll do it. It's a live action movie, but it needs technology that doesn't quite exist at the moment. So we're in the middle of developing the technology to allow it to happen. I'm trying to anticipate what I might be able to do before it even exists. They're not fantasy epics, but they're pretty interesting. Uh, and um, let me see here. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's so. That's um, that's kind of his jam right now. He's uh, he's trying to do that. It reminds me of James Cameron trying to do uh, the next uh, one of those uh, blue people movies, uh, Avatar. Avatar, right? Uh, I think that's right. Uh, and and those are going to be coming out finally, but it just took forever for him to kind of rein in the technology to uh, to make that happen. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, from Ringo Starr to uh, uh, to Ringo Starr, really, right? Um, Ringo Starr and Taylor Hawkins are featured in an upcoming Let There Be Drums documentary. Um, uh, a new doc uh, documentary will uh, feature interviews with Ringo Starr, uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, the late Foo Fighters member Taylor Hawkins. Uh, Deadline reports that Haw the Hawkins segment may be the drummer's final filmed in interview. Uh, and fil filmmaker Justin Kreutzmann, who is the son of the Grateful Dead's Bill Kreutzmann, um, he's also featured in the documentary, um, uh, helmed the picture, which will come out October 28th. Other featured stickmen include the police's Stuart Copeland, James Addiction, Stephen Perkins, and former Guns N' Roses member Matt Sorum. Um, so he decided to film the, uh, make the film to better understand his dad and his dad's instrument, but an interaction with Hawkins made it something bigger. Uh, some might say this was the film I was born to make. Others might call it therapy, he tells Rolling Stone. Since I was young and my dad gave me that first Super 8 camera, filmmaking is all uh, I've ever wanted to do. My school grades could tell you that. And obviously growing up around the Grateful Dead, my first movies were the people uh, and the crazy things going on backstage, which leads us to their, let there be drums. Uh, so uh, that's going to be coming out. Uh, he said it wasn't until Taylor Hawkins stopped our interview and said, maybe this isn't for the documentary, but uh, what was your home life like? I found from then on, I was having a dialogue with these amazing drummers instead of just uh, Q&A. They were as interested in hearing about my dad, Jerry Garcia, and the Grateful Dead as I was about their bands and their lives. So a really interesting thing happened. The film became more about family, but these families just happened to be drummers. So uh, we'll see what that's like when that comes out October 28th. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited to, to see that and to see Taylor Hawkins part in, in the, uh, the film. So um, uh, breaking news that Billie Eilish just dropped a surprise guitar songs EP featuring two new songs. It's only a two song EP. It's eight minutes long. There's two songs called TV and the 30th. I listened to it right before recording this pod. Uh, it's, uh, it's worth a listen. Check it out, especially if you're a Billie Eilish fan. Um, okay, now to our continued segment. Uh, we'd like to close it out when we can with a Dave Grohl story. So we're segueing from a Taylor Hawkins story into a Dave Grohl story. Uh, and uh, Dave Grohl um, talked about how his uh, daughter's generation will create the next revolution. Uh, he says, 
give it three or four years and you'll see how this mutation is happening. He's spoken about how he believes his daughter Violet and her generation will create the new revolution. Violet Girls, who's 16, has shared the stage with her father on numerous occasions in the past, including Foo Fighters headlining set at Leeds Festival in 2019. She's provided backing vocals on the band's latest album, uh, last year's Medicine at Midnight and more. Uh, and in January, 2021, Dave Grohl hailed Violet as an incredibly talented musician who can pick up an instrument and learn it within a week. He added, to be her drummer is one of my life dreams. Uh, and around that time, he said Violet was considering making a shoegaze album and that he wanted to play on it. Speaking in a new interview with MSNBC, which was recorded prior to the death of Taylor Hawkins, by the way, Dave explained how musicians and fans of Violet's age are currently paving the way. What I see is this mutation, this change, this growth and progression that her generation, uh, uh, they're the rock stars now, he said. It's not the old guys like me, it's people like Kanye. Uh, it's that generation, give it five or 10 years, give it three or four years and you'll see how this mutation is happening. And Dave, if anybody knows uh, what's coming around the corner like that, it's Dave, right? Uh, so um, he's excited to, to hear what, um, what becomes of his daughter and, uh, and her generation in terms of music. So, um, all right, that is our show for today. Thank you for going down this nostalgia uh, train with me and allowing me to indulge in some of these things that were such a part of uh, my growing up. Uh, so upcoming episodes on the program, uh, Uncle Bard and the Dirty Bastards uh, had a chance to chat with them. Uh, and uh, also, She Wants Revenge. We had a, I had a great chat with Justin Warfield from She Wants Revenge. They're back together and we go deep uh, with that interview. Uh, Michael MacArthur, Lillian Axe, those are ones that are in the works. Lots coming up here on Concert Pipeline. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, all of the uh, above if you like the program. Um, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, so for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.